What's up, guys? This is Sarah Arnett, and you're tuned in to Igosian Airwaves. Great show in store for you today. We are interviewing our very own Jamie Lee Ganey. Jamie Lee Ganey. And I say our very own because we like to bring in alumni who have moved on to bigger and better things than I go. But every once in a while, we bring in one of the stragglers who <laughs> never left the nest and just kind of hunkered down under the wings of Igo Global and is now doing the best she can to live obediently um, in that role for the rest of her days. And so why Jamie do, Lee Ganey is here with us. Why do bigger and better when you can do same old, same old? <laughs> that is my whole philosophy. Yeah, I like it. And Sarah Arnett, who also is on staff, may or may not appear in this podcast vocally. It's true. It's true. Okay. I just wanted that out there in case. Yeah, she, she, she may chime in or laugh or give a good a good old mmm if mm. someone says something yeah. really profound, yeah. which with Jamie Lee Ganey here is will likely be the case. Yeah, if she hears a one of those kisses from the king, yes. she's probably gonna chime right in. We've mentioned that several times, so just a quick explanation of that. It sounds like a silly phrase, but it's something Jamie Lee picked up from Grace Kelso while she was in Japan. Something Grace used to say that no. she it meant like a blessing from the Lord. Yeah. No, not quite. It was a different leader that I had. But I get credit for it around the IGO office, but I'm not the one that coined it. But you use it the most. Used to. <laughs> well, Jamie Lee, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I know you're excited about being here with us today. So pumped to be a straggler. <laughs> you've, been, you've been straggling for 11 years. Yeah, almost 12. Almost 12. Almost 12. Are you, like, like Brad Carvels would say, you're in your 12th year. Is that what you're saying? Like, mm. you're in your 12th year? You've, you've no. 11th in the rearview mirror? Oh, well, yeah. Is that how Brad counts? Or are you just saying, like, my son Austin would say, you've been here 11 years, that's almost 12. Is that how you're saying? No, I guess I'm more with Brad. Okay. Well, let's don't talk about today. No. Yet. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's 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 do a little time travel back to when you first heard. That's the time travel noise. I don't even. Why do I download we special back. effects when I have you? Right here. Like, why am I? I'm searching the internet for special effect noises. <clears throat> Getting criticized for the sound that we just played as the intro by Sarah. And then yet you're right here with those kinds of skills. That's amazing. So we're going to go back in time. And I want to know how you first heard about IGO and how you first decided to go on an IGO trip. Where, like, where you grew up. Where you, 
Tell us where this all started for you, Jamie Lee. Where did this magical, straggling journey start for you? <laughs> well, um, I grew up in a small East Texas town um, with about 2,000 people in it. What's the name of this town? Buffalo, Texas. Buffalo, Which Texas. brings us to our one of our favorite sections of Igosian Airways. Yes. How far is Buffalo from Panhandle? For our listeners' sake... Who are thinking, I don't know where Buffalo, Texas is. You said East Texas, but I know where Panhandle is. So how far is it from Panhandle? And maybe maybe not miles, maybe hours, or maybe just directionally. How how do you get there from Panhandle? Take a guess, Jamie Lee. But you asked several questions there. You want to know. Well, what direction is Buffalo? So we can have from a frame of reference Panhandle. from Panhandle. I'm not talking about the region. I'm talking about the, the town, town of Panhandle. Panhandle. Okay. so the Which t- is in the region. The town of Buffalo is southeast of the town of Panhandle. Okay. Southeast. How many miles would you estimate that drive would be? Well, I I would rather estimate hours, and I would say close. Uh, but that's to, not what I asked. So. I would rather <laughs> we'll, go with, we'll go with the miles. <laughs> um, I would say about nine hours. Guess the miles. 600? 456 miles by car, six hours and 51 minutes. Hmm. And by foot, with a backpack and a walking stick, according to this Are icon. you sure you topped in Buffalo? I'm or sure. Buffalo Gap? I'm positive it's Buffalo. Okay, it's closer than I I can thought. see it on the map, too. I don't know where it's at. So, how many, uh, how many days do you think walking? Five. Six days and eight hours. You're very bad at guesstimating. Oh, thank you. <laughs> or you just drive slow. Maybe you drive slow. No, yeah, well, you if drive. you have children, you have to stop. If you have a children, lot. you're driving faster though. Like, yeah, I am uh, getting there. But Google Maps doesn't account for all the bathroom breaks yeah, and things true. like that. There's a different so, app for that. But to ask Austin. At any rate, <laughs> this show brought to you in part by the great town of Panhandle, Texas. Sponsored. And that was how far is that from Panhandle? That's a great. That's great. Thank you. Thank you for uh, helping our listeners figure out where you're from. So now that we know where Buffalo is, you're growing up there mm-hmm. in this town, mm-hmm. and somehow you heard about Igo. Tell us about that. Yeah. So um, I actually was the. I was one of the only students um, in my church in my youth group. It was an older congregation, very small Baptist church, and. Um, I signed up to go to Super Summer with my cousin who lived an hour away from me. So it wasn't like Super Summer was um, anything that my church regularly went to. So it was kind of by chance that I got to go by just signing up with my cousin's church. And um, it was at Super Summer, just a um, summer church camp, that um, I first heard about IGO and just... I guess for the first time hearing that there were opportunities for students to go on mission trips. I'd heard about missions my whole life, but it was always kind of this um, out of reach thing that special people did and went to, you know, who were much older and more spiritually mature than me. And so that was when I first heard that there were opportunities for students um, to go. And so you're at Super Summer with your cousin, you hear about this. Did you did you sign up right away? Did you like, oh, I got to do this? Did, like, what, what are your parents saying when you come home and say, I heard, I went to this camp you never heard of. 
Now I want to go, like you'd probably sign up for Germany or something back then, right? No. Or, um, well, it was kind of like a two-summer process because Kai actually was serving um, overseas in Southeast Asia, I believe, um, the first summer that I went to Super Summer. And we um, called, um, Lance was there at Super Summer, and he did a Skype call with Kai just talking about the work and what, um, what Kai was doing and just got to hear from him while he was actually serving on a trip. And the following summer, I, I would say, you know, my, my heart was beginning to be stirred then, just being aware of the need and the opportunities. But then the next summer, um, Igo had put together a video of um, Kai and his story and his experience and his trip. And um, I think you might have even been there that summer sharing um, additionally, like after the video played. And I just remember sitting in one of those worship services and one of those videos that played just shared about how many unreached people groups there are all over the world. And again, that was just God opening my eyes to um, seeing the world was a lot bigger place than <laughs> my little town of 2,000 people where I'd grown up and seeing that there was a need. And I just remember thinking, how could I not go? Like, why would I not go if there's a chance to go um, and make God known. There's clearly a need there. And so, um, yeah, I just began moving forward. And I think I've, I looked at the trips that Igo had available and for whatever reason chose Japan as one to apply to. And that's where I went, my first trip. Which was like 2005. 2005. 2005 mm -hmm. to Japan. And you didn't stop there, you kept going. Like mm -hmm. tell me some of the other trips what all you've done as far as team leaders, interns, JSIs, all those things. Tell us about your other IGO experiences. Yeah, so I, my first trip to Japan was two weeks, um, and that was the summer after I graduated high school. And then I went back two more summers, um, one, one summer for eight weeks as um, an intern, and then the next summer for 10 weeks as an intern leader. And so my role shifted a little each time that I went. Um, and then that was the last trip I went on before coming on staff. Yeah, the, the, last summer you were kind of running Japan. You were running <laughs> Tokyo or yeah. something. And then you moved from there, graduated college, came on staff. You've been on staff now for going on 12 years. Mm -hmm. And have, have been a lot of different places, served in a lot of different teams, all those different kinds of things. But like the cool thing about serving on IGO teams and even serving on IGO staff is the stories. It's seeing God at work, it's encountering God at work, it's seeing Him use students and all those different kinds of things. So share a story, share a couple stories, whatever you want, like maybe funny story, best story, like most meaningful thing, something you'll never forget. Share, share something like that with us. Yeah, well, it was neat because I went to Japan three different times with a different role each time. I got to see um, God's ancient work in different ways throughout my time there. And um, one, one story that was really neat was my second trip. I, um, because I was there for a longer amount of time, um, got to really, um, you know, plug into the ministry there to really be an extension of the missionaries. And in addition to leading teams that came in for one or two weeks, we would spend some of our time in between leading teams, 
going to university campuses and meeting people, making friends. And the goal was always to start a Bible study with the different friends that we met. And from there to, um, you know, share the gospel with them, connect them by the time we left to the missionaries that were still living there. And um, during one of these university visits, I met a girl um, who just was, just seemed to be, you know, kind of what we call a person of peace and very, very sweet, very kind, um, had pretty good English. And so we invited her to come to a Bible study. And she asked if she could bring her friend with her. And her friend walked up at the end of our conversation. Um, and the the first girl that we met, her name was Nanako. And um, her friend walked up, her name was Yai. And Yai, from the moment she got there, was pretty... Um, I could tell there was a little bit different spirit about her. And she seemed to be a little more critical <laughs> of why we were there and what we were doing. And um, anyway, so I, I obviously said, of course she can come. And so we began meeting for Bible study. And um, multiple times each time we met, I would get very frustrated at Yai because she would seemingly interrupt the conversation I was having with Nanako and trying to share the gospel with her. And I remember even praying at one point, God, would you please shut Yai up because she's just distracting, you know, from what we're trying to share. And turned out, you know, this is one of the cool things about being somewhere for a little bit longer is um, over the course of several weeks, Yai ended up becoming a believer. And it was, you know, through her curiosity and her questions and what seemed to be criticism and challenges, she really embraced the gospel and um, became a follower of Christ. And it was cool to be able to see that and see how God's plans were not, you know, necessarily what I at first thought and um, just how his ways are different than ours. And it was neat to plug Yai into the missionaries that live there and get her started in a house church. And then even the following summer when I returned, um, getting to then join back in with a Bible study that she'd been doing and leading with other people and just kind of seeing how, um, I guess through obedience and going and returning and serving in different roles, um, I got to see God at work in different ways. Um, and Yai ended up being a bridesmaid at our wedding and flew in for that. And it's just really cool to have that kind of longer term relationship with someone. That is very, very cool. So how old were you first time you went? 18. 18. And then, so you're in college. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that we love, right, about IGO is that God is using students who are, and you said it while ago, just, just being obedient. You, you didn't have to have all the answers and all the, you know, like, hey, come to Bible study with these girls you met and you were obedient, you were available, and then you saw God at work. And I love that because there's so many stories like that over the years, just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stories where, hey, God wants us to go. Maybe we should go. God's bigger than Buffalo. Mm -hmm. Let's go. And um, yeah, I love that. Absolutely love that. And I want to, I want to keep going and ask you different questions, but I think we need to like make, maybe hit pause right now. That sound that you just oh, heard. Oh, it's time. <laughs> it's a segment. It's, it is time for a segment we like to call Texas Highlights. Highlights. Of Texas. <laughs> In Texas highlights, it's, it's been said at IGO, of IGO rather, yes. that while we take the mission very seriously, 
we do not take ourselves seriously at all. No. So in almost all things we do, we like to just have some fun with stuff. And so one of the fun things we like to do is talk about the great state of Texas. Which is both fun and serious. At the same time. Yeah. Simultaneous. Yeah, because Texas is awesome. So it is. And so in this segment, we're going to ask our guest Texas Highlights. In Texas Highlights, we're going to ask our guest... We're going to frame it a little differently this time to add some clarity to the question. For our listeners, if you could recommend one place, and it can't be Buffalo, but if you could recommend one other place in Texas you've been to that you just thought was a great place for someone to visit, what would you recommend? Maybe for someone who lives in Texas that may not have been to this place. Um, I would say the Marble Falls area, like kind of in the deep hill country and... Um, what's the name of that spring we visited? Kraus. Yeah, Kraus Springs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's really pretty down there. That, that is a hard question because there's lots of places you could visit. Um, Balmeray is another pretty place. Balmeray. Yeah. Lesser known even than Kraus Springs probably. Really? I yeah. I think so. We vacationed there in high school when I was growing up. What's at Balmeray? Tell us about that. It is a spring... Um, where you can go swimming, and it's it's just beautiful out there. Um, not too far from Marfa Lights. That was right. another thing we did on that trip. I don't think yeah. we saw any lights, but it, it is pretty. That's an area of Texas that, especially if you grew up in East Texas or Central mm-hmm. Texas, whenever you go out that way, it's hard to believe you're still in Texas because it looks so different from this geography. And Balmeray is like right in the middle of one of the most desolate regions of Texas, and mm-hmm. yet it's this really gorgeous pool that's naturally spring-fed, so even yeah. when it's 110 degrees outside, that water's like it. 65 degrees. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, a great place to go. Like little, an oasis. Little, little gym out there <laughs> in West Texas. Good choice. So, I like that answer. Um, I mean, I think you could probably just go camping. I mean, it's hard to pick a place in Texas. You just go camping. And, and wherever you go camping, it's going to be awesome because you're is. in Texas. I agree with that. But I'm I'll a little worried right now that our listeners might be confused because you're just throwing out Marble Falls and stuff like that. So where's Marble Falls in relation to Panhandle? South. South. Mm-hmm. Several... Straight south and a little bit east Yeah. from Panhandle. Actually, quite a ways east. You'll just, find Marble Falls. It's just kind of funny to go out west and... You have to come back east when you're coming. They also from have good pie right. in Marble Falls. Pie? What's the, What's name the... Of blue, oh. blue Bonnet Cafe? Yeah. Oh, the Blue Bonnet. Yeah. Yeah. That's a famous big pieces place. Of pie. Famous it really of is a Falls. gorgeous area. Like yeah. that big, wide river. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, so pretty out there. You know who's down in Marble Falls now? Is that uh, Norman Flowers? He is. Let's don't <laughs> talk Great about Norman him. Flowers. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, Kraft Springs, which is in Spicewood, Texas, might be one of the prettiest spots you could ever go to as it's really it's also a spring fed swimming hole with a big rope swing mm-hmm. it's very picturesque great that's, place to that's visit. saying a lot because when you say one of the prettiest places you can go to and you're talking about texas yeah it really is it's People. amazing big yeah. cypress trees mm-hmm. yeah. yeah we moved to indiana for a few years of foreign missions early in my marriage and people thought oh you're from texas you're probably not used to seeing all these trees and grass and i go what and they go yeah texas just rocks and dirt i'm like well you're kind of talking about the panhandle right they had not been to they never been to this to the hill country yeah they never been to east texas 
They never been to the Piney Woods, that that little beautiful town Bronson that's close to that other town brought us. They haven't been there. I have a similar experience when I go to Missouri Missouri. to see my in-laws. And they say, anytime it snows up there, someone inevitably walks up to me and asks, well, what do you think of all this snow? Because they don't realize I am from the Panhandle, where we get like eight-foot snow drifts that block the doors of our houses. That's the tallest thing in panhandle <laughs> yes it it's is a snow drift. yes it is but flat beautiful west texas land so yeah we love texas we love texas and that was uh that was a little segment we like to call highlights texas highlights texas. and i'm glad you uh, glad you did that jamie jamie lee you did that very well Thank and uh yeah hope you get to go back there soon since you weren't stay, invited stay to Stay at Cancun. that La Quinta that mm-hmm. overlooks the river. Mm-hmm. All right, so back to the interview now. Back to the back to the hard-hitting, investigative The serious stuff. Yes, of the, of the podcast that is all things I Go Global related. One of the things that we want our students to do is to go on a mission trip and learn that all of life is mission. That, that it's not... God is calling us to live our lives on mission. You know this because you've been teaching it alongside of us. But if you can go back in time. And like, how did that, how did that begin to play out for you as an 18-year-old? How did you come home and start to see all of life as mission? How, maybe it was about how you saw the church or, or, or how, you, how you approached college. Because I know you were setting, getting ready to go to college. How did how did the teaching and training of Igo and that experience begin to shape your life on mission? Yeah, I think it was such a pivotal time in my life to hear the teaching at Igo and to go on a trip and have that experience because I was going to college about a month after my trip. And um, I think I think, you know, I was I mentioned earlier that I was one student, um, you know, in my student group, it was a really small church. And when that happens, um, the tendency for arrogance to creep in of I'm going and doing like this great thing and I'm going to be involved in something greater that can kind of creep in. And I think just having Igo's teaching that was so focused on how I wasn't going off on this mission to do something by myself, but I was joining in God's mission that he has designed the church to be a part of. I think it, it came back and helped me see my own church, um, small church, as part of that mission. And um, to even hear maybe some of the same truths that were being preached to me that I hadn't heard before. Um, just because, you know, we talk about this all the time, but I think students are in a very unique position when they go through our training to listen more because they're they're scared because they're out of their comfort zone. They're about to go. They're eager to be prepared to go on a mission trip. And I think that's where I was. And so, you know, the truths that we teach at, at base camp, um, I think those were truths that were probably being preached in my church, but that I just had not tuned into. I didn't have the ears to hear them the way that I did when I heard them, um, you know, going directly into um, a mission trip. And so um, that affected when I came home. Um, how I saw my church, and I think it played a big part in me being eager to find a local church when I went away to college. Um, and because of that, like I didn't even visit a ton of churches when I went to college. I 
think I only visited two or three maybe, and then just decided and committed to plug into one. Um, and just having that desire to join the local church on mission and to get plugged in. And I think that I go played a crucial part in that. The other side of that is um, seeing the my circles of influence as my mission field. Um, you know, I, I went to a small Baptist college and, um, you know, the assumption can be that everyone there is Christian, but um, I was in a very unique place where I was part of a sports team on our campus and there were definitely non-believers that I spent six, seven hours of my day with. And so just going into that atmosphere with the lens of what I'd learned about missions being a lifestyle and applying some of the same things that I'd learned and done on a two-week mission trip to Japan to, um, you know, those relationships that I was developing with the non-believers I was around every day. So um, I would say those are the two main ways, was just plugging into a church quickly when I went to college and seeing the importance of that um, and serving at that church and um, seeing what mission field God had placed me in, um, you know, there um, on my college campus. I hear youth ministers talk about this a lot, that one of their one of their worries, one of their fears, parents talk about it, youth ministers, is like, okay, when that kid graduates, will they leave their faith? Will they leave it behind? It was just a youth group thing. Will they take it to college? And I love what you share because it's so much part of what we're, what we're trying to come alongside these churches and the youth ministers and help teach these students that if you'll stay connected to the church and then you'll stay connected to the mission mm -hmm. and, and that will help you grow your faith no matter where you are. And so I just love that because so many students go to college and they, they spend a lot of time before they even think about getting in a church and you jumped in mm -hmm. uh, right there in, in Brownwood or early. Where, where did you end up at early? Going to church? Um, well, I was in Brownwood for a few years, and then when I met my soon-to-be husband, I switched yeah. to his church in early. <laughs> I thought you were going to say smoking hot <laughs> for a second. No. Yeah. Yeah. The competition just continues to grow. <laughs> so, I got you. So, you plugged into church right away. Such a, such a cool picture of how you continue to play that out. And then you were serving summers with us, growing in your leadership. Came on staff after you got out of college and thought you were going to, you know, pursue something in literature for a while, but we knew better. We knew you would come right back we to us. We knew you were a straggler. Yeah, yeah. No bigger and better here. Same old, same old. <laughs> Making him famous. You've had a lot of different roles at IGO and even currently have a lot of different roles at IGO, but what, what, what are you doing right now? What, what's your job at IGO? What's right here in front of you right now? Just... What's your role? Yeah, so I'm one of the trip coaches at IGO. And I just get the opportunity to walk from beginning to end um, of the process of a trip experience with our students um, for the specific teams that I um, get to coordinate. And so I do a lot of administrative work for those teams. But as a trip coach, I'm also, like I read the, the first application that comes in um, when a student applies to the cities going to the teams I'm coordinating. And um, then I get to be the first person that communicates with them and follows up with them and, you know, encourages them throughout the process of um, fundraising and um, just staying connected to their church and um, encouraging them to be faithful in the small things along the way up through base camp 
and the trip. I may not actually be the one that goes on the trip with them, but um, I am like responsible for like finding that team leader if it's not me and, um, you know, equipping them and just kind of that beginning to end process for a specific mission trip. So there's a lot involved in that. There's the coordinating the details side of it. You touched on both and there's the more personal preparing Mm -hmm. and coaching. We recently switched that title of that role from trip coordinator to trip coach. So Mm -hmm. you already said some of this touched on it, but why, why did we make that shift in our organization to change that title? Yeah, well, it, it is such a, I guess coordinator sounds a little, um, distant (laughs) and like the only thing we care about is you know just give me your money and send these forms in when we want it and I want your passport copy and that's not at all our heart at IGO. Um, We really want to help shepherd students through the process because it can be a very as I explained that it was for me a very pivotal time in their life where they're learning to walk forward in obedience and faithfulness and trusting God even though they may not see it's you all know, new, unfamiliar yeah, territory. Yeah, yeah. and so um, I want to be able to relate to students and, you know, to encourage them in that process and remind them why they signed up, you know, whenever it gets hard and they're struggling with fundraising and um, or a global pandemic hits, you know, just being able to remind them like the mission has not changed and encouraging them to stay tuned in to, um, you know, why they first responded to the call in the first place. And you've been doing that a while in different different teams, different trips at different times, and you're, you're kind of a veteran of that. You're great at that. And we have different people on our staff that, that are trip coaches. Um, but if somebody's listening right now and they thought, you know what, working at IGO would, would be mostly fun, uh, if, as long as I didn't have to put up with Kai and Shu too much, it'd be, it'd be pretty fun. Uh, I'm, I feel like you could teach them pretty quickly how to be a trip coach and set them up for success. Would you say that that's, that's true? Like probably get somebody in this and. Yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate and love systems. And so one of my passions through the years has been creating systems for trip coaching specifically, but so that, you know, if like if I were to replace myself or add someone on, um, you know, who's, who's doing the same role. Um, yeah, I'm very passionate about there being a system in place so that that can transition smoothly. And so that someone can jump into that. Yeah. I like hearing about the systems, the layers, the policies, the procedures. I like hearing about, about all that. Cause you're really, really good at that for sure. So if you're listening right now, you want to come on IGO staff, have a conversation with Jamie Lee or reach out to me. Uh, reach out to Kai. Reach out to any of us. We'd love to talk to you about that. We got. We probably got a place for you. We got room. But let's set your staff role aside because I know that that's a big part of your ministry and your calling. But first and foremost, your calling is to your family, and uh, I want to hear about them. We haven't talked about your smoking hot husband yet. <laughs> I want to hear about about him and your family and what you're doing currently, and then. Give us that, like the summary, and then, then speaking to that, how, how do you live on mission right now in your season of life? Yeah, so um, I'm married to Nick, and he is um, one of the pastors and elders at our church. He also owns a screen printing and embroidery business. They're one of our sponsors, I think. Lone Star, <laughs> Lone Star Threads. Yes. Man, we should include them sometime in um, 
Texas highlights. Highlight Texas. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, anyways, um, we have three children: um, an eight-year-old boy, almost six-year-old boy, and an almost two-year-old girl. Um, and so, most of my days look like um, being a mom and just kind of managing my home. Um, my husband works from home, and so there's that aspect to kind of, um, you know, manage as well. But um, we also homeschool. I homeschool my um, oldest two. The toddler just kind of gets in the way, <laughs> but um, in a good way. She's great. Um, but, um, you know, I can look back to my, um, my time on my first mission trip and even you know, what I learned through the following summers of serving with IGO and just years on staff of seeing how the truths that apply to um, mission trips, you know, if what we're saying is true and missions is a lifestyle, then those truths apply to my daily life as a mom. And, um, you know, just I think one of the things that IGO did for me was it pushed me to dig into scripture even more deeply and to really you know, desire to, to understand biblical truths. And so after becoming a wife and a mom, I think that was just part of that too, was understanding like what scripture says a biblical woman should be and what a biblical mom should be. And I think that informs, um, you know, my days even now is I don't see, um, what I'm doing as a mother as secondary, like it is absolutely, um, missions and just applying the truths of, um, you know, joy, the joy in sewing to um, everyday conversations and, um, you know, what might seem like a mundane task with my children, as well as understanding God's ancient work in their lives and understanding that I'm just a tool and I can't cause the growth, but, you know, I'm just called to be obedient. And so I don't feel like I'm taking a back seat in missions because I'm a mom. I see my children as my primary disciples and as my mission field and, um, motherhood definitely has a missional element to it. Um, and then in addition to that, being supportive of my husband, who is more, um, he engages with non-believers more and just through various avenues. And so being willing to, you know, being willing and, um, I guess, available to bring in friends into our home and, and host people for dinner and just being able to continue enabling him to build relationships to share the gospel and just seeing my role in that again not as secondary but as this is how we're missional as a family um really does um i guess that's a way that it plays out in our current season well we get to see that um kai and i get to serve alongside nick the nick ganey <laughs> at church and we get to see you guys and your family and we get to see that and it's really cool to see you doing that and to know that it started when you're 18 from little Buffalo, Texas, and randomly show up at Super Summer and all that stuff, and then you end up in Japan. So if you could go back and tell your 18-year-old self, or really like a listener out there that might be in that teenage, <laughs> and, and you could say, you need, you need to consider going to Japan this next summer, which we have teams that are, we're planning to go to Japan, Lord willing, that's mm -hmm. going to open up. You could tell somebody, yeah, you need to consider going to Japan as a high school student or to a youth minister. You need to take your whole group to Japan. What would mm -hmm. you say to them? Oh, it's, I mean, obviously I'm partial to Japan because <laughs> I went several times 
and I love the Japanese people. I love their culture. But um, for me, it was just an awareness of the need there. I mean, you can do a quick Google search and see how small of a percentage of people in Japan are believers and how I can tell you from experience, the majority of people I met did not know who Jesus was. They maybe had heard of Christianity, but their knowledge of what Christianity really is, of what it means to be a cross follower was pretty non-existent. And, um, you know, some people will say, well, there's a language barrier there. Yes, there can be, but the Japanese, it's just part of their culture. They strive for excellence and perfection. Um, in everything and they do pursue the um the, like there's a lot of businessmen and businesswomen in japan and so they feel the need to um know english just to be successful in in the business world because a lot of them travel to different countries and so um there really is not as big of a language barrier as you would think because so many of them do know english even if they think they're not very good at it they they can carry a conversation with you. But um, I would say there's just, there's such a big need there. And I, I don't, I know it's cool when this happens. And I know a lot of our alumni have this story, but I don't have a story where God made it crystal clear that I needed to go to Japan. Like it was more, why would I not go? And so that would be my challenge for listeners is if you know there's a need and you know that God uses the church to make his name known, and there's an opportunity, like, why would you not go? I had a mentor tell me in college one time, just apply and begin walking through the process and see see what God does. Like, if he doesn't want you to go, he'll stop it. He'll stop you in the process. Um, but just being faithful to move forward, even if you don't know all the steps, but just taking the first step um, and just responding to the need that is very evident and, like I said, can be seen in a quick Google search. Um would be great. And J- Japan is such a great place, um, even for first mission trips. I've never been on any mission trip, not even one in Texas or anywhere in the United States. Um, Tokyo, Japan was my first one. And um, it's just such a great place because the the different ministry, um, I guess, the different avenues they use for meeting people is just very natural. Um even if you're not used to sharing your faith, um, there's something called five-minute English where you can just begin having conversations because, again, the Japanese want to practice their English. And you really learn how, with the Japanese or with even Americans when you come back home, how to have conversations that lead to the gospel and how to make that be a very organic um, thing. So it's a, it's a great first trip, I think, for people as well. It is. There's so many, there's so many ways it's great. It's safe. It's mm-hmm. super safe. Lowest People's, crime rate of any country in the yeah, world. I mean, yeah. It's so friendly. Yeah. And you're going to get to see lostness. Mm-hmm. Like you'll, you'll see idol worship. You'll, you'll get mm-hmm. to go to a Buddhist temple or a Shinto shrine. You'll, you'll see what that looks like. Some of these things we read in the Old Testament don't make a lot of sense to us in our culture. We go see it there, mm-hmm. and you're, you're confronted with that reality that God's not worshipped here. And that's so cool. Uh, we love taking first-time students to Japan, second time, third time. We love we love the partnership with Trey Fleming and the team, Charlie and the team in Osaka that we're working with now. We'd love to have more students go on that for sure because just like you said, we say it all the time and I go, everybody's called to this. God's called. If you're a believer, you're called to be on mission. There's a huge need in mm-hmm. Japan. Mm-hmm. And it's what's great about it too is we've mentioned that most places where there's such there's that big of a need where it's that lost and it's that dark are places that we also 
can't really get into it's hard, yeah. because it is Christianity is illegal or whatever. And so there's that element as you can get there, even though it's that unreached. And unlike a lot of like some places in Europe we go to, like people in Japan are excited to talk mm-hmm. to Americans. Oh, yeah. I feel like sometimes mm-hmm. in Europe, and in which you know, not to dissuade anyone from going to Europe, but sometimes you can be seen as like a it's it's an annoyance, right, that you don't mm-hmm. speak their language, or you know what I mean. They're not like like oh my gosh, there's an American. I want to talk to them. Um, some of them are, but that's not the overall tone. Whereas in Japan, man, it's like it's so easy if you've never started a gospel conversation before. There's people there who want to talk to you just because you're an American. Yeah. So it just makes it an easy yeah. first step. Yeah. Just one of the reasons in Europe we work with people from. Not from Europe, right? You know, <laughs> that, that are more friendly and right. more more hospitable. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a huge need, and a and an easy opportunity. Mm-hmm. And there's an opportunity with us next summer. You know, like I said, we hope. And Jamie Lee would be your trip coach if you signed up for uh, for that. And we'd love to have you. So we love the interview. We love talking to you and hearing your viewpoint on that as a staff member, as a former student, as, as a current mom, wife, all those things. But, but now what we want to do is something we started with Gavin Hart a few weeks back on our podcast. And it's where we put you in the hot seat. I think, uh, I think somebody else was sitting there earlier and made that seat even, even warmer. But <laughs> we put you in the hot seat and we call this segment... Where we're just gonna throw some questions at you, Jamie Lee, and you just gotta give us your quick answer. Okay. And whatever comes to your mind, you you, you can give it a give it a justification and a reason, or you can just like, that's my answer. It doesn't okay. matter. And I like that. We may accept that and we may not. But <laughs> right. This is that little segment we like to call <laughs> Jamie Lee. Yes, sir. What is your favorite Igo mascot? Armadillo. Which mascot would you choose as a pet? An owl. Is that because of Harry Potter? Absolutely. That's what I thought. <laughs> oh my goodness. It always comes back to that. But Arma- Armadillo is the first ever mascot. So if you were in, on an IGO team in 2001 there to 2004, no there were no mascots. You pick your own at that point. It's just like homeschool. Pick your own mascot. It doesn't even matter, right? Like, just be, be your dog or whatever. We but, had to mail in our application. Oh, it was so bad. The, the early days, we love you guys, but y'all had it rough. And in 2005, we started mascots, and we started with the armadillo because the armadillo represents what we like to call... It's a Texas highlights highlight. Highlights of Texas. <laughs> If you played Sarah Arnett in one-on-one basketball, who would win? Oh, goodness. Just so you get it over okay. with. Okay, okay, me. I'll, and here's, here's my reason. <laughs> because I'm short, and even as a point guard in basketball, I was short for, for point guards, and so I had to learn tricks for beating people taller than me all the time. All right. So just keep in mind that when Sarah was asked this question, she, she took the humble route yes. and said Jamie Lee. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just in, agreeing. In this one question, Jamie Lee decided not to be a straggler. Have you seen Sarah's elbows, though? They'd be sharp. Woo. Best book you read in 2020? Uh, a Waking Wonder by Sally Clarkson. Have you read any of Clay Clarkson's books? I have, yeah. 
big uh, big Clarks. fans in the homeschool community of the yes. Clarks. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, craziest thing you ever ate overseas? Mm, eel. Eel. Mm-hmm. How was it eel prepared? Sushi. Eel sushi. Mm-hmm. So raw eel. Yes. Did it make you ill? <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. See what I did there? You took it. You made it sound like it. Why does Nick have so many reminders on his phone? Tell someone else answer that question. That is his chosen means of annoying everybody. <laughs> <about it. laughs> yes. All right. Yeah. What is your favorite Buddy Brent's quote or story? Quote or story. Buddy Brent is a used oh, to be man. a missionary in Japan. He now hosts our teams to Houston, which is awesome. But he used to be our main contact when we were sending big teams to Japan. I forgot to tell you, but if she doesn't have a good story right here, it would be a total... It would be a bummer. bummer. I can't say that one now. Um, I remember, this is kind of, it was sad in the moment, but looking back on it, it's comical. We would go on Monday nights as interns to his house, um, just kind of as a night to, I think we would eat like pizza and play games and... Um, just kind of a relaxing night for all of us. And we showed up and literally moments before we got there, one of their children's pets, um, had died. And I don't even remember what kind of animal it was. Like, I don't know if it was a fish or like... Was it an owl? No, no. This was probably Masood's pet. I'm, I'm wanting to think it was a reptile of some sort. But anyways, um, yeah, one of the children was in tears over this and I do think the word bummer was used but we ended up like and we to get to his house from where we lived it was like over an hour via train it, it was a long trek but I remember we had to turn around and come back home because it was such a traumatic died. experience yeah. hey when and, your pet dies that's yeah. a big deal yep. yeah it was pretty sad even in Japan yeah <laughs> but now it's funny you're saying yeah, well, I, You're think, hoping. I think what was funny was just how, like, somber he was when we walked in and just how we had to kind of yeah. leave hastily. Yeah. Hmm. So flexible. <laughs> Glad you went yeah. to base camp and you learned to be flexible. Yes, right. all, all for that moment. Yeah. Uh, this is a good one. What do you like to drink with chocolate chip cookies? water <laughs> oh come on that is a lie what do you put in your cereal milk what milk we really should record my daughter my two-year-old daughter saying this now because she learned how to say it from you yes she says milk yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> there it is exactly she was intentionally saying it normally because she knew we were on to something with that. She she, she caught on to us. Three syllables in that Three word. syllables and a really Y in the middle. Yes. That's how Jamie Lee pronounces yep, milk. All right. An animal that has never been an Igo mascot but should. Don't get this wrong. Do not go Harry Potter on us again. Why not? Lemur. A lemur? Mm-hmm. Like a ringtail lemur? Sure. They like to move it. <laughs> King Julian. This isn't really a question. It's more of an imperative. Say something in Japanese. <laughs> Konnichiwa. Um, anata wa Jamie Desu. No, I said it wrong. I said it wrong. You I said, said desu like you're asking. It's yeah, just Jamie I said that desu. wrong. 
No, Anatawa is what I say after. Anata no namae, one on Jamie. Yes, and then Anatawa. Mm. I was so hoping you would go with Ohio Gazamas! Yes, Ohio Gazamas. Yeah, okay. Well, that was fun. <laughs> All right. Thing you love most about Igoja? As a staff member or a student? <laughs> um. This isn't base camp. It's just Igoja. Yeah, just I'll, I'll Igoja. Ex- I will accept. Anything base camp? Yeah. Okay, I, I like when um, students don't get their luggage um, back the first night. Some students. So if you're listening to this and you've never gone with us, you may get your luggage back. But, um, yeah. The reactions are what's great about yes. that. Yes. Many and reactions through the years. So many good one-liners come from that. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. um... No, seriously. Where's my luggage? Thank you, Christina. And then there's also, um, well, that was a mildly frustrating experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they took my luggage. Should have seen that coming. <laughs> well, all right. Oh. And as a trip coach, I've I've had lots of students come to me in years past and have an excuse for why they had to get their luggage back. All right. And then once I forced them to tell me the reason, um, it was not. A valid reason. <laughs> right. Or it's like, I gotta get my contact solution, and then they come back with a backpack full right. of stuff. So like, <laughs> yeah. You must have a huge bottle of contact solution. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, that, ladies and gentlemen, was. <laughs> yeah. We, I love the segments of these things. So great. So what do you great. like better? Rapifier or Texas Highlights? Highlights. Of Texas. I think I like rapid fire. Okay. But they're both great. They are. Yeah. Jamie Lee, thank you. Thank you for stopping by our studio. And Pleasure. spending some time with us on the iGosian Airwaves podcast. And I hope, I, there's a lot of hopes I have with this podcast, but one of them right now is that I hope that you like our exit music that just kicked in better than Sarah always does. So... But I think that you will because you got that twang. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Tune in next time as we bring you some more greatness from the world of Igo Global and some more segments like Rapid Fire and Texas Highlights, Highlights of Texas.